0: Hello and welcome to PTCE's Pharmacy Connect, a podcast focused on continuing education created by pharmacists for pharmacists. PTCE is the leader in pharmacy and managed care education. In these episodes, listeners will be presented with the most recent clinical updates and strategies for implementing into practice. And now, here's our host and founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, Todd Yuri.
1: I'm excited to welcome back our listeners to the PTCE Pharmacy Connect podcast. These have been so valuable to our listeners and... Pharmacists have commented um, back to us through LinkedIn, through um, through Instagram, through Twitter, and different social media platforms that they um, that they like and enjoy listening to educational episodes developed by pharmacists for pharmacists. And today is no different. We have two amazing uh, people accessible to our PTCE Pharmacy Connect um, listeners talking about treatment advances in atopic dermatitis with JAK inhibitors, updates for pharmacists. We have Dr. Jamie McConaughey here and Dennis Williams. Jamie, welcome to the PTCE Pharmacy Connect.
0: Thank you. Happy to be here.
1: Jamie, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and um, and your role um, as a pharmacist and as an educator.
0: Absolutely. So as you mentioned, my name is Jamie McConaughey. I am an associate professor of pharmacy practice at Duquesne University School of Pharmacy, which is located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I am a clinical pharmacist here, so I maintain a practice site within a primary care physician group that is local to Pittsburgh. At that practice site, I see patients um, through a collaborative practice agreement with our physicians uh, for a variety of ambulatory care disease states. Um, And with regards to today's podcast, I do have um, a very strong interest in all things dermatology during my fellowship program uh, that was the focus of my research project. And I developed and teach a dermatology elective here at Duquesne to our students.
1: Excellent. Excellent, thank you so much for that opening. Dennis, we wanna hear a little bit about you and and wanted to welcome you to the PTC Pharmacy Connect as well.
2: Thanks, Todd. I appreciate the opportunity uh, to speak to the group on this important topic. Um, I'm Dennis Williams. I'm a faculty member at the UNC Eshelman School of Pharmacy. My primary focus areas in teaching, research and practice have been in uh, pulmonary diseases, infectious diseases, and immunology in general. And I think this is uh, a, a, a very important topic, basically because of um, how prevalent the uh, problem is. I spend um, some of my time in practice, a lot of time in the classroom, and then also investigating some of the of uh, newer treatments in, in pharmacotherapies.
1: Excellent. And thank you for that. So we have talked about Jack inhibitors on other episodes, but this is a special episode. Uh, Jamie, you're going to be taking over and leading us into this content. And we're going to review that atopic dermatitis, as well as the efficacy and safety data Um, for topical JAK inhibitors um, that are approved and in development. We like that. We like that mixture of subject matter expertise. So with that, Jamie, I'm turning this this podcast over to you.
0: Thanks, Todd. So I'm so excited to get into this topic, such an important and relevant topic. Um, So Dennis, let's just start with the background. Um, Can you start telling us a little bit about atopic dermatitis and really the significance of this disease state?
2: Yes, absolutely. So, atopic dermatitis is very generally described as a skin condition that's associated with a hypersensitivity response. And as as most pharmacists know, there are a variety of hypersensitivity responses. This one is referred to as a type one hypersensitivity response that we'll uh, talk about a bit more what that uh, means and the reason that I think that atopic dermatitis is so important is is that the impact that it has is largely driven by uh, the prevalence. How many patients, how many people suffer from uh, this disorder? And uh, There are a variety of estimates, and I think these estimates are uh, difficult sometimes to gather because uh, like other atopic diseases, a lot of it may be self-managed, but the best data that I know of is that um, 15% of children and up to 10% of adults suffer from this. And like other conditions, um, you know, there's a there's a spectrum of severity. But in my experience, you know, maybe more than half of people have mild uh, disease, but that means that 40% of people have moderate to uh, severe disease. And the impact of this disease, really across the range of severity, is uh, is pretty is pretty significant because it um, affects people physically, it affects people psychologically, and in a broader way, their overall uh, quality of life. I do want to mention here, uh, just so the audience is is familiar with it, is that uh, uh, atopic dermatitis is often described as eczema. And the way I think of it is that eczema is a subgroup of atopic dermatitis, uh, and atopic dermatitis actually represents uh, a broader uh, spectrum. I want to make a couple of comments about what we know about the underlying cause there. I think it's important. Uh, so it, as you can tell from the uh the name itself, that there's an atopic predisposition. And what that means is that a person's immune system has a particular response that predisposes them to allergies. And it's not only atopic dermatitis, it also includes asthma and uh, allergic rhinitis. And so if people want to get deeper into that, um, and the immunologic response is related to a uh, TH2 lymphocyte uh, response that predisposes patients to this. The other very core thing that we know about uh, this condition is that a lot of it is related to uh, a genetic defect in a protein. And that protein is called uh, filigrin. And uh that protein is very important in our skin because it's responsible for the structural support of our uh, skin, and it and it helps to maintain the integrity of the skin. So, with this uh, atopic predisposition, and with this uh, problem with this protein. Uh, there, what patients experience is a significant loss of moisture from the skin, which really leads to a lot of the things that you know patients actually experience.
0: Thanks, Dennis. That was a great introduction to atopic dermatitis. And I love how you touched on the atopic triad, because I think that's something that as pharmacists, we can recognize patients who may be at greater risk for atopic dermatitis if they have some of those other disease states. And you also had mentioned, you know, really the burden of this disease state. So um, I know when I teach my classes at Duquesne and we talk about derm conditions, I always say, you know, these may not be the disease states that are necessarily associated with mortality, but the psychological consequences that they can have on patients are very significant, um, which is, you know, really why it's so important that as pharmacists, we can help with a lot of these newer medications to alleviate their symptoms and that really brings me to the next thing I think is important as we're discussing this background of the disease state. Um, is can you describe to the listeners how atopic dermatitis clinically presents, or what type of symptoms we see in patients?
2: What we encounter in patients are uh, a variety of symptoms. You know, and again, some very mild to the um, more severe. But you know, the general things that we see in patients is very characteristic to have a rash. And that, as I mentioned before, that's where the eczema description uh, comes from. A very prominent symptom that patients have that you will see later when we talk about some of the clinical data is itching. Pyritis is is such a common symptom in uh, this condition. And then that results in uh, other things like erythema, scaling of the skin, uh, which can result in uh, burning, and those kinds of things can end up resulting in uh, the development of blistering or uh, fissures in the skin. And that kind of leads to one of the complications of atopic dermatitis, which is secondary skin infections, which is a a real problem, especially in people with moderate uh, to severe disease, and it really creates a lot of problems. And this chronic irritation and chronic inflammation ends up changing the features of the skin, and so a lot of patients with uh, atopic dermatitis end up with rough and inflamed skin. And then the final thing we see in people that you know are, are going without uh, therapy are uh, is thickening of the skin, and that's referred to as uh, like chenification. And that's a you know that's a really bothersome sign and symptom uh, for patients that we want to avoid through effective therapies.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's definitely a devastating disease state, you know, with regard to the symptoms that these patients are experiencing. Um, You mentioned near the beginning about the prevalence of this, particularly in younger patient populations and that itching and scratching and, you know, the impact it can have on children or even adults, you know, quality of sleep. And I know everything is worse when someone is sleep deprived. So, um, you know, it's definitely uh, a very impactful disease state. Um, And of course, we're going to be talking today about some of our newer and emerging agents for atopic dermatitis. But before we get there, what do you think are some of the challenges with the current therapies that are available?
2: Well, of course, a lot of patients are maybe not appropriately diagnosed, so maybe we're missing a lot where, as pharmacists, we could uh, be offering a a lot of uh, benefit. Because we have this uh, spectrum of severity, not all the therapies are effective uh, for, for everyone. And you know, with some therapies, we we see that there's a delay in response. And, and, of course, those are the kind of things that will make patients frustrated and potentially affect uh, uh, adherence uh, to therapy. And then, frankly, you know, with, with some of the top, with some of the baseline therapies in this area, there's some inconvenience uh, of use that, you know, that make patients be um, less adherent. And then finally, uh, because we know that you know that patients with moderate to severe uh, atopic dermatitis may not respond to some of those foundational kinds of therapies, uh, they may require other options. And I, I think there's good news and bad news in that area. In that there's have been a lot of advances in that area that offer patients more opportunities.
0: Yes, I agree absolutely. So. What do you think are some just general recommendations that pharmacists should make for patients with atopic dermatitis?
2: Well, Jamie, I think this is really important because um, when you read clinical guidelines and uh, and other recommendations in this area, the foundational therapies are so important across the spectrum, even when we get to more targeted therapies that can really help uh, some of our patients. And so, in this area, foundational therapy is moisturizer. There are moisturizer agents. And um, I think there's really a lot that pharmacists can do in this area in terms of making recommendations to patients. Obviously, moisturizers add, moisturizer, add moisture to the skin. Um, and fortunately there are a couple there are a few different ways to do that. Uh, the things we think about are emoyants uh, humectants and occlusives and there are advantages and disadvantages to each of these in terms of both how they work uh, but also in terms of how acceptable they are to patients and often you know predict why patients, Maybe need to uh, be thinking about uh, other additional therapies in order to control their condition.
0: Yes. And I think patients probably when they go into the grocery store, go into the pharmacy, you know, they see aisles and aisles of these moisturizers or these topical agents. And a lot of times they can be totally lost on what to select. And, you know, as you pointed out, I really think that baseline or foundational treatment with the moisturizer is absolutely crucial to the treatment of atopic dermatitis. Eventually, you know, continuing that as we continue to add on treatments. Um, So, you know, obviously we're getting to some of our newer and emerging agents that we keep alluding to. So what are some advances that have been made in recent years for managing moderate to severe atopic dermatitis?
2: Yeah, good to focus on that. So, uh, you know, beyond moisturizer uh, therapy, what kind of things do we have for these this particular group of patients? Uh, I'd start off by saying that, you know, there are a variety of what I would call traditional immunosuppressive uh, therapies, uh, corticosteroids and other things, um, other uh, immunologic agents like uh, calcineurin inhibitors. And then in in recent years, even uh Phosphodiesterase inhibitors uh, have become an important therapy. What's exciting to me is over the past few years is the identification of a variety of targets um, that can be treated with uh, biologic therapies. so there are really a handful of, of biologic uh, targets among the cytokines. And, and then in addition to that, we have the uh, Janus kinase inhibitors, which have been, I think, a, a big move forward for this condition.
0: Yes. Yeah, so that is what I'm very excited to talk about today. Um, and of course, the topic of this podcast. So can you tell the listeners what... Um, Jack inhibitors or Janus kinase inhibitors are currently available for atopic dermatitis and maybe a little bit about their mechanism of action.
2: So Janus kinase is a uh protein obviously it's an enzyme and it, it it acts you know it it functions uh under the control of of uh some of the cytokines that uh have that are involved in this Uh, condition. And its effect is really to change that immunologic uh, response. And it actually happens very specifically in the cell uh, in terms of transcription factors uh, that work uh, in the nucleus of the cell. And they change the way this inflammatory response uh, occurs. And I I feel like that the pharmacy audience knows about JAK inhibitors because they've seen those in a variety of other immunologic conditions, including um, uh, um, malignancy, rheumatoid arthritis, and other kinds of things. So I think they're familiar with that, and maybe uh, that helps uh, appreciate how they might be helpful in this condition uh, as well. What we know about JAK inhibitors, in this condition is i think it's important to explore you know maybe the different dosage forms and the things that are most helpful but there are oral and topical forms of uh of jack inhibitors uh and you know a few examples of those are uh abrocitinib uh and baricitinib and all of those are oral uh, jack inhibitors useful and proven to be helpful in patients with atopic dermatitis. Rusolutinib is uh, is also a JAK inhibitor. That's the one available topical form that we have now to treat atopical dermatitis.
0: Yes, I love how they're available, as you mentioned, in both formulations. You know, we have our JAK inhibitors orally and topically to really give patients different treatment options that may fit best into their lifestyle. So when we are comparing these agents, the ones that you just went over, I'm sure as pharmacists and you know any prescriber would really be interested in the clinical evidence um particularly focusing on the effectiveness and safety of these agents and I know that there are numerous scales and different types of measures that are used not only in clinical studies but also in practice and I was hoping you could review those as well for our listeners you know what what we use to gauge how well these agents are working Yeah
2: good idea Jamie I think when we think about a condition like atopic dermatitis that it affects people in a lot of different ways, I, I think having scales uh, that are, you know, somewhat objective are, are really helpful uh, in terms of evaluating response and being able to report those uh, those results. And so we, and fortunately, fortunately in this uh, condition, we have validated uh, instruments and they look at a variety of aspects of 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 this condition i want to just name a few of them that i that i'm familiar with that i see in clinical trials and that are also you know used in clinical practice to evaluate the benefit patients are getting and so um, one is called the itch numerical uh rating scale which which should make uh sense to people and that's rated numerically from 0 to 10 um Another one is an investigator global assessment treatment success. Uh, and I want to make a, co- a comment about that in just a moment. And another, the third common one that I see a lot is the eczema area and severity index score. And all of these are, are numerically rated in terms of, you know, how, how is a patient today? How is a patient, you know, after um, receiving uh, receiving some therapy. And the other thing that I really like about uh, these validated tools is that they really take in information both from the patient who's being affected, as well as the clinician that's seeing the um, the patient. So, what have we um, what what have we seen with the results, specifically with Jak inhibitors uh, using using these different scales? And so, the results are pretty good across the board and actually you know when i look at the data the results are pretty good whether we're talking about a um an oral therapy a systemic therapy versus a uh, a topical therapy so with the JAK inhibitors if we look at the uh literature the uh the results have been impressive uh reporting things like anywhere from when i look at things from like 65 to 75 percent improvement uh, in the in those various s- signs and symptoms of atopic dermatitis. And the other thing that I think is uh, really uh, very promising in that area is that those improvements happen pretty quickly. That response can be seen as soon as after two to four weeks of therapy and so that certainly helps with adherence patients are using these therapies and they're seeing uh some of the benefit uh right away i'll I'll mention a couple of the things that i've seen specifically about agents um um had uh, a like a, a double improvement in uh in easi scores uh, uh abrocitinib had a 75% improvement and um, the uh, investigator score was actually pretty good and roxoitinib, uh the results showed that the easi uh wasn't was improved by 71.6 percent compared to placebo and that was actually uh more than four times the placebo Improvement so with these um agents with any agents obviously we have to think uh a little bit about how well they're tolerated. So I just want to mention briefly that with the jack inhibitors, uh, the most common side effects that have been reported have been related to the GI tract, and then some patients have reported headache. But um, in general, these agents have been very well tolerated. And finally, uh, Jack inhibitors in general, regardless of what they're used for, uh, do have a black box warning uh, that address a few different issues, including the risk of infection, malignancy, and uh, some cardiovascular complications and hematologic complications uh, that, you know, that pharmacists should be aware of and review again, uh, although these agents are uh, generally well tolerated.
0: Thanks. So that was a very thorough discussion of our Jack inhibitors, the safety and the efficacy. Um, and I really like how you pointed out when you started the beginning of this section with the different scales that we use to measure these. Um, really describing the significant improvement that we see in our patients with atopic dermatitis with the JAK inhibitors. Um, so, you know, in these studies comparing these agents to placebo, you know, you gave us a lot of great statistics about the improvement and how quickly that occurs. So these are, again, very efficacious agents for our patients. And I did want to point out as well, the EASI that you had mentioned, that scale, the um eczema area and severity index. There are, you know, I'm sure our listeners are familiar and as pharmacists, we maybe don't use this so much ourselves to actually score patients, but rather read the results of these. Um, But there are different versions of that scale, depending on the age of our patient as well. Um, But in these studies with our particular JAK inhibitors, you're right. We've seen great improvements, you know, to a fairly fast rate um, and with minimal adverse effects really compared to placebo, just like you went over. So um, it was a wonderful, like thorough review of everything with those. So now that we've talked about some of these emerging treatments, I think it's important to talk about our role as pharmacists. Um, So what do you think are some considerations that pharmacists should take into account when counseling patients about the use of the JAK inhibitors for atopic dermatitis?
2: yes, a lot of information, I think, to give to patients, um, which can be very uh, useful. And one is just very practical things about uh, what they should expect uh, when using these agents. But in some cases, with all these therapies, we're talking sometimes about uh, injectable therapies, and we're talking about topical therapies. So there are some specific things that We can talk to patients about, Um, and and they should kind of fit into two buckets. Talking to them about uh, when they could expect a response, and we mentioned before with these agents, maybe within uh, two to four weeks. And we should talk to them about some of the safety concerns, some side effects that they might experience, even though those don't happen um, very often. I think in in the bigger scheme, talking to patients about. Uh, the the benefit of topical therapies and how to get most uh benefit uh from them um ruxolitinib for instance it's recommended that you could really treat up to 20% of the body surface area which is uh, a pretty big area with um you know with continued safety and with some of the therapies um there's the ability to type, titrate it based on the response the patients is are getting as as well as to kind of step back a little bit if patients condition if the patient's condition is uh well controlled and then something that i see that's been emerging uh in topical therapies which i think is a real advance is how to measure the uh medication and so there's a uh uh not not necessarily a new but Uh, an emerging uh, concept that is talk about fingertip units that gives the patient how uh, it gives the patient some idea about how much medicine uh, to measure out of a topical therapy to apply to a specific area of the body. So, and I I think those are the the biggest practical things that I see.
0: Yes, super important. And um, especially with counseling patients about the topical applications, because we mentioned earlier about the importance of including moisturizers. And you mentioned with these uh, pharmacologic agents, the fingertip unit measurements, and just, you know, making sure they're using an appropriate amount and being adherent to the medication, because we all know, obviously, if they're not going to use it, it's not going to work or help anyone. So where do you think then that these jack inhibitors fall into practice? Um, or what do you think Really, is there overall benefit for patients with atopic dermatitis?
2: We've already identified the fact that 40% of patients with atopic dermatitis uh, have moderate to severe disease. And so they're not going to be effectively managed um, with just moisturizer uh, therapy. And so we need to be thinking about other uh, agents. I'm not sure how much I that I, I emphasized this before, but one thing that i really like about jack inhibitors is that they're downstream a lot of the cytokine therapies that we have for this and other conditions are more upstream and you know my one thing i think about a lot with upstream therapies is that uh you know they could have impacts in other areas kind of innocent bystander effects although i'm not sure that we see that necessarily in that area but jack inhibitors are you know, are, are downstream. And so we're really targeting the problem, uh, especially in atopic uh, dermatitis. And so I, I think, you know, as a, as an entire class, it's a significant advance.
0: Absolutely. So I just have one final question and that would be, is what would you say is the single most important takeaway for our pharmacists listening in? Well,
2: Jamie, as you mentioned, I, you know, we talked earlier about the impact of this condition. And again, to me, the impact is also often based on how much does it impact the individual patient, how prominent is it, and how many uh, patients with atopic dermatitis or pharmacists going to see, and how do they understand how significantly it it affects uh, somebody. And understanding that, you know, and having some empathy towards that and trying to think about best therapies uh, for patients will be is is a good concept. And then on top of that, thinking about if a patient's not responding to the therapy that they're uh, on. What other options you know, are available that maybe they could uh, talk to their uh, prescriber about? And then finally, because it's a topical therapy, uh, being pretty specific in counseling about the best ways to apply that. Those would be the things that I, if on the front line as a pharmacist, I would think about.
0: Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the PTCE Pharmacy Connect podcast. Your feedback is important to us. Please share with us your thoughts on this episode and other topics you'd like to learn about. Go to PharmacyTimes.org
2: forward slash contact and send us a message.